Smarties, we are excited to welcome back Dr. Joe Dilly. Y'all remember him from episode 65, and he is the author of The Game is Playing Your Kid, How to Unplug and Reconnect in the Digital Age. Today, we welcome him back to Learn Smarter Podcast to have a more in-depth conversation about the specific challenges that families are having when it comes to screen time in their home during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic. Before we tell you more about that conversation, we wanted to announce the return of Learn Smarter Pro. Learn Smarter Pro is our six-week program for professionals where there will be professional and individualized support, behind-the-scenes business trainings and group coaching and more. We had intended to start this program back in March, April, but had decided at that point to kind of take a break and regroup as we were all transitioning with the massive changes in the world. But we have heard from you and we are excited to be bringing that program to you because we know you guys want it. So we will be doing trainings in this group that will never be offered on this podcast. So if you're interested, we have decided to reopen applications and the group will be kept small by design. So reach out to us now and we'll send you more details. And the application is actually already in the show notes for this episode. And we will only be accepting applications until June 17th, 2020. So if you already applied in the last round, look out for an email from us soon as we will be reaching out to you. There's no need to apply again. Again, the application for Learn Smarter Pro is in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Today you'll hear Dr. Dilly talk to us about structure and frameworks for screen time and questions to ask yourself. And he also chats with us about the two main factors when it comes to screen time, which are time and content. And he also highlights the importance of before and after. So let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer you have to learn smarter the educational therapy podcast hi smarties welcome to episode 105 of learn smarter the educational therapy podcast i'm stephanie pitts and i'm rachel cap and today we welcome dr joe dilly back to the podcast welcome thank you so much wonderful to be with you again yes i think this is the first time we've ever had a repeat guest yes Oh, wow. But Steph and I have been doing the coaching and talking to parents. And the biggest question that we're getting right now from families, from other learning specialists is how to handle the screen time conversation. And so we talked about it and we're like, let's bring Joe back Mm -hmm. so he can tell us what to do. Because like we were talking about off air, the biggest thing that I'm struggling with is the lack of rules Mm -hmm. around this whole period of time. So yeah. Dr. Joe Dilly, why don't you remind us who you are and about the book that you've written and just sort of remind our audience. And I'll also add that, as we've said, we're previously on the podcast and that's episode 65. And so we've already linked that episode in the show notes so people can go back and listen to that episode. Sure. Yeah. So as you'll hear on that other podcast that we did a few months ago, I'm Dr. Joe Dilley. I'm a clinical psychologist in Greater Pasadena here in Sierra Madre, California. And my wife, Dr. Carrie Dilley, and I are the owners and operators of Synergy Psychological. And a couple of years ago, I wrote the book, The Game is Playing Your Kid, How to Unplug and Reconnect in the Digital Age. And it actually kind of wrote itself because day after day, hour after hour, I was meeting with families with the same legitimate questions about 
how to manage screen time, given that so much work was already online and let alone now. And of course, kids' recreational activities over the years have shifted to become more you know, electronic and screen-based in nature. And so there's a set of legitimate questions about, okay, now how do we strike a balance here between you know, living online and living in our day-to-day reality? And so the book basically applies structural family therapy from as early as you know, the 60s that we've been using for all kinds of other stuff for decades in psychology to a new problem, that of screen time management and tech balance and so forth. And so as we're talking today, we're going to you know, refer back to those same principles and see if they can offer some overarching guidelines and theories and ideas to help us get specific about what's going to work in each of our homes. Because this is a really precarious, tricky situation that we're all in. So why don't you go ahead and remind us of some of the main principles that you talked about on the previous episode and you teach in your book and in your practice? Yeah. So I think the main one, and this really applies right now, is we want to take an externalized view of the problem. So especially now, but even a couple of years ago, it was easy to go, well, Johnny has a screen time problem or a gaming disorder, an addiction. It's inside him. What's the matter with his brain? Can I medicate this away? Mm. And the idea is to look at Johnny in context. And so my favorite metaphor from family systems therapy is to say, okay, wait a second. We're all individual fish swimming in shared water. And that means, yeah, there's water inside each of us, but it comes from the outside. And so we take it in and then we expel it back out. And that means if the water becomes polluted, we need a way of cleaning it up and purifying it so that our exchanges with one another keep us each healthy as individuals, but keeps the relationship healthy or the exchange optimal as well. And that's really what we're dealing with right now, where our fishbowls, they comprise maybe two, three, four, five individuals, depending on the size of your family or who you're quarantining with, it's more important than ever that we keep those transactions as healthy as we can. In terms of screen time, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're perceiving and you're hearing about? And then what sort of solutions can you offer? Yeah, really. (laughs) As you all are seeing with your students too, now there's even less of a, hey, come on, don't you want to join the soccer team? You've always loved soccer. Right. You know, let's get outside and do some drills in the grass. And then, you know, your first practice is on Saturday. We don't have that. But what we do have are those kind of more individualized one-to-one opportunities that we did not have as much of when we were all away at work and our kids were away at school. So do you want to go out and do some soccer drills becomes... I've got the time and so do you. And so we're actually going to get pretty good at at least the things that we can practice in our own yard, Hmm. that sort of thing. We've wondered for years, how was your day at school? Fine. What'd you learn? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Some stuff. Now we know what their day at school is like, or at least what they're learning and what they think of it. So that's kind of a cool opportunity. I don't think any of us would have chosen this, but that's an opportunity not to be missed at this time. Back to the idea of challenges though. So it's really difficult to say, haven't you done enough on the computer today? Because the answer might be, no, I haven't finished my math. Mm -hmm. And now it really is just online. It's not, 
well, my teacher said I could submit it online or I could bring it in tomorrow or something. Right. This is it. So those breaks for the brain, for the eyes, and for your socialization, adults included, become really important. You know, setting things down and coming back to it later. And fortunately, the deadlines that we're seeing and even some of the consequences for, you know, underperformance on a test or something are not as impactful on the grade right now. Yeah. And so we can all ease back just a little bit. And if taking a break right now to go out and shoot the basketball means we have to work a little bit later this afternoon, well, it's okay. We're still going to finish it in time. Mm -hmm. And we're all kind of doing our best in good faith right now, teachers, students, parents, and so forth. Yeah, it's true. Thinking about the clients that we work with and how much of a struggle it is for some of them just to transfer to online everything. And it's exhausting, you know, just to be on Zoom all day, every day. I'm exhausted. My eyes are exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling. And for them to be thrust into this, they have to learn this way. And what is it going to look like now? And then the screen time is a struggle because the parents are saying you're so exhausted from being on the screen for school and doing all your work. Right. But the kids want to play games. <laughs> I don't blame them because right. that's an outlet for them when they can't go do all the other things that they were doing before and enjoy the sports and enjoy yes. you know, whatever it was that they like to do with their friends. So I'm hearing a lot from parents, and I'm sure both of you are as well, that there's a lot of fear about this becoming even more of an addiction than it already was. Yeah, especially for the parents and the families that were already struggling with this prior to the start. We've talked about this privately, Steph, that this quarantine and the pandemic have only exacerbated whatever was sort of good before and whatever Mm -hmm. was sort of a work in progress before. Big time. It's disconcerting and we have to be really intentional and careful so that we come out of this in a better place in as many areas of life as we can. Stronger relationships, more in tune with ourselves and our daily positive habits and routines. And then ideally having some even greater sense of control over the screen. And I know that sounds ironic because yeah, the more immediate possibility, the more likely possibility if we're passive about it, is that we're going to get played, as it were, even more. Hmm. We're even more subject to what's being fed to us constantly, kind of like the characters on that movie Mm WALL-E. Everything's just brought to you. Well, so we need to make sure that we remain in control of the type of content and the amount of time that we spend screening that content in our own homes. And that's always been the case. And it's just more challenging right now. It's difficult and we're going to have to make some consolations or let some things go. But we can come out of it in an even stronger place in relationship with our devices. It's funny that you bring up the Wally thing because we reached a new level in my house this weekend where I FaceTimed my husband from one room and he was in another room. <laughs> and he answered the FaceTime. He goes, We've just gone full Wally over here. <laughs> 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 oh, <but. laughs> 
So, little anecdote. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we have to keep it light, you know? This is tough. This is a bit hard. So not to play Pollyanna, but the idea would be we come out of this going, wow, well, if I can manage my tech habits even under quarantine, are you kidding me? Now I can go back to the beach? I'm going. Yeah. Like, I've got my stuff straight. I've got my priorities. I know how I want to spend my time and how important physical activity is to me. I was reading an article the other day by a fitness trainer who said, we don't all have to be so regimented about our training. We can move just for the enjoyment of movement. Mm. I thought, that's so refreshing. Like mm-hmm. said, you're jumping rope because you enjoy fitness, not because you're trying to hit some record when jumping rope. And what a great way to tour you know, new cities and so forth when travel is back in full bloom and we can, you know, walk around, jog around and take it in that way instead of as like, well, I'm training for my next event. I think this has helped us to go. Sometimes those events don't happen. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be in a trail race here in a couple of weeks. Not happening. Not going to happen, at least not for a while. Yeah. And that's a loss. As we were talking about off air, there are losses, but then we look for consolation prizes like, okay, so can I just go for a run for the enjoyment of running? Oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way to approach when we are able to come out of this. What are we taking with us? Yeah, what do we want? Nice. But, you know, I think the concern that I'm seeing with the screen time until we can do that is there are some kids that I know are playing video games from the moment they wake up mm-hmm. to the moment they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And some schoolwork just dribbled in when the parents have the energy and time to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And everything else is sort of taken a back seat. And I know some students in my practice have stopped sessions because the parents don't have it in them to fight right now Mm -hmm. with having a session when the kid doesn't want to stop playing the video games or doing something that's required of them. It's becoming a big battle. Right. And I know everything has to be individualized for the student, for the family, for everything. But for the parents that are really deep in the trenches right now and feel like this is month two of a really long situation. Right. And I don't want to say they've given up, but they've run out of steam. Sure. I'm really glad that you used that word energy a moment ago. And then I think earlier as well, because if we think about it and it's happening for we three right now, we each only have the energy in our own rooms as we're connected here over Zoom. We're not able to enjoy that shared kind of manifestation and transaction of energy with one another. And I think that's part of why kids and parents alike are so drained right now, because On the one hand, we have more time. On the other hand, we're having to work to generate our own energy in our own, you know, pods here as we connect virtually. Mm. It's not how we were designed to function. We're social creatures. We need shared physical space. We'll get back to that. Right. But as we think about tailoring things to each individual student and family, what we can do is start really broadly and go, okay, what's going on here? Okay, right. Here's why I'm drained. Here's where a lot of my energy went today. So did my students. And so it's natural that they would gravitate, and maybe we do too, toward some sort of screen-based relaxation, so to speak, Mm -hmm. because it's largely passive and yet stimulating. And it's kind of the mode we're in anyway, having been staring at the screen all day, as the case was to begin with. 
And so if we look at it super broadly and go, all right, right now I'm feeling like giving up. Obviously, I can't do that, but I can give myself a day or two to acclimate and create a better plan. And what would a better plan look like? And that's where we get back to some of those specific techniques from solutions-focused family therapy, where we go, okay, what would a better day look like? On a scale of 1 to 10, my family is at a 2 right now in terms of our thriving. Mm. Okay, now a 10 would be we're out of quarantine and we're all on vacation and we're at the beach and we're really active together and none of us even are remembering that our phones are in our bags because we're too busy setting a new record in paddleball, right? So you get really specific. That's a 10, okay? Now, we're not going to get to a 10 right now because we're not going to be out of quarantine, but we do have paddleball and we do have a backyard or whatever you got. We do have a balloon and a living room and so we can play a different sort of volleying. So tomorrow, if we could move from a two to a three or just a two and a half, what would need to change just a little bit? At that morning slump where we're all feeling like, wow, we've already been at this a couple hours and you know, same old routine. Why don't we all pause and gather together and play a game in the living room or in the backyard or whatever? That would make it a two and a half or a three. So then we envision that being implemented. Now, what would bring it up to a three and a half or a four? Well, at lunch, we're going to have a complete lunch break. Everybody's off their devices and we're going to share one cool fact that each of us learned this morning. And obviously, mom and dad aren't probably in school per se, but something they learned about themselves as we watch ourselves interact. This is great data to have, to see ourselves talk and the way that we gesture and the facial expressions we make. It's a consolation prize, but it's an opportunity that we don't want to miss. We can learn about ourselves. And so it doesn't have to be a fact or a lesson that we engaged with in the morning like our kids did. Maybe what we're sharing at lunch is some new degree of self-awareness or some new appreciation for a relationship that we're not able to fully maximize right now because we can't see that person. So a piece of gratitude and so on. Okay, wow. Well, gee, the morning has been more like a four and a half, five. Actually, compared with how awful things could be if any of us were ailing in the hospital. And obviously, some listeners will have family and self who have had that happen. Well, actually, we did all right. We made it through that morning. Okay, that's actually more than a five, more like a six, Mm. and so on. You can kind of see Mm -hmm. small steps toward a better day, even though there are things that we just can't control. There are a lot of things that we just can't control. (laughs) There really are right now. Mm -hmm. I've done that with a couple of clients, actually, where we've written out what they can control and what they can't control right now, because a lot of them are feeling Mm. out of control with all the unknown. But the little steps, which is basically how we teach educational therapy, it's the same thing. But I understand how daunting it feels. Oh, yeah. But, you know, even a half a step, I mean, it could be a quarter of a step. Mm -hmm. I think if we remind everybody of that, you know, don't let perfection stand in the way of progress. Mm -hmm. It could be that you have a step forward today, but tomorrow you might have two steps back, but that's okay. Mm. It's the trajectory that we always talk about when it comes to educational therapy. It's three steps forward, one step back, and it's the journey that we're all sort of on, but it's almost like taking that framework and just applying it to screen time is really helpful. I feel like for me in terms of talking to the clients that I'm working with and hopefully for our audience too, because we've done episodes on little small changes for big wins. Nice. 
I love the idea of taking a couple days off to evaluate where it is you want to go and the things that you can put in place to get there, I think can be really powerful because we're so black and white just as people. And it's hard for us to see gray sometimes. So the tendency is like, okay, six o'clock and screens are off. Right, right. Which isn't realistic for the parent. And so the parent's not following that and they're sneaking their phone, right? And so reframing it of like, what's realistic for our family and what can we do to just get one step higher with the energy that you do have at that particular moment? Right. It's doable. It's manageable. It's not like, okay, well, since I can't make these sweeping changes, I might as well give up where we have kind of that dichotomous thinking. Mm -hmm. We go, okay, things are not the way I want them to be. I don't have it in me today to make big changes. Let me take today to think about what small changes I could make. And then as we implement those, you know, we create some momentum and so forth. Out of curiosity, what do you think screen time amounts for different aged kids for parents that don't have a reference. Right. What do you think is reasonable for a little dude, as we call them? So you'll know based on a couple of things, their behavior, their engagement with you. And then also, particularly when we can have them and plenty of pediatricians offices are allowing certain levels of contact, their checkups. And so my ophthalmologist was explaining how we are seeing higher rates of myopia in kids these days because of too much screen time. So there's a real physiological and medical concern here, even beyond behavior and socialization. Speaking from kind of the psychological standpoint, I'm going to recommend you look more at those latter couple of factors because that's what we can see day to day. But you can also tell through feedback from your pediatrician and so forth, hey, how are my kids' eyes doing? But we should have been watching that anyway, you know, even before quarantine. And so what we want to do is think about brain and behavior, and it's really both. So in terms of the day-to-day, you'll know, because if your kid gets off of certain content or gets off of the screen after a certain amount of time, so those are our two big considerations, time and content, time and content, gee, after my kid plays that game or watches that show or whatever he or she is watching, it's for this long. Uh Uh-oh, we've got zombification. (laughs) Or tantrums or, yeah. Tantrums. You know, so my son this morning wanted to go back to watching the original Transformers, which I think was an awesome series. I watched it as a kid. Uh And I'm so glad he wants to. And he's like five and, and everything. And I said, okay, you know, last time we tried this, it didn't work out so well. And so here's what we got to see. Great listening. So we'll go ahead and try it. But then afterward, throughout the day, we want to look for great listening, gentle hands, and nice words. If he's going to borrow some of their phrases or some of the aggression that he's observed, for example, or if he's going to be, again, kind of zombied out, not going to work. It's much easier to disengage from a floor puzzle that doesn't call to you with dynamic changes of sight and sound that's still problem solving and a wonderful way to cultivate planning and spatial organization and all of those things. If that's the level that we're at where you need to have something like that in order to disengage when it's time to come to lunch, then that's what we'll do. But if you can handle the original Transformers and then come to lunch, fantastic. Right. Good for you. We'll do it again tomorrow. Mm. You know, it's so interesting because I never really thought about the content. I was just looking at screen time as a whole. If they're just playing video games or they're just watching something on YouTube, 
And really, if we're looking at content versus just screen time, it does make a huge difference, honestly, because some of those kids are watching YouTube videos about space and they're watching, you know, things that are super educational. Right. Versus playing games where they shoot and kill each other and whatnot. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Very much so. Big fan of PBS programming like Daniel Tiger and stuff for younger viewers. Mm-hmm. That's one where kids are going to come away acting nicer and with a um, kind of a song reminded them of how to do so stuck in their head. I would much rather have that than content that leaves them coming away from it agitated and stressed and amped up, dysregulated, that sort of thing. I mean, it's like the Mr. Rogers, right? Yes. One of the things that I'm sort of taking away from this conversation is it not being this all or none scenario versus we can say to them, you can have the screen time, but your choices are this or this. It's not going to be this game or whatever. Sure. And parents can approach that and the kids will choose something because they do want to be on the screens, right? Yeah. That could also just be less time on that particular thing that is a struggle Mm -hmm. or that particular game or whatever it is with your child. Right. Another thing that has sort of come up in my practice, and I'd be curious to hear your feedback on this, are the kids who are supposed to be doing school in that particular moment, but they're flipping to other things. Mm. (laughs) Which, by the way, we all do. Yep, yep. When I hear parents talk about their kids doing it, I'm like, we do that too. And they're like, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. But what's kind of your thought process on that particular problem, I guess? Sure. And this one existed, of course, before quarantine and everything where it was like, wait, I thought my kid was doing his homework. And then I went in there and (laughs) they were watching YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or I caught them toggling. I don't know what had been on the screen before. Right, right. (laughs) And that sort of thing. So yeah, the question is, is the break functional? And how long does it last? And so if it's kind of what we as adults have learned to do with more fully developed frontal lobes, where we go, okay, I'm going to take a quick break and check email or social media or watch this funny YouTube or something. And then I'm going to get back to my work. Perhaps the break was useful. Now, if we look at the studies on how well adults actually do this, though, we're not so hot at it either if we're not pretty mindful. So a break can kind of snowball and then the activity online takes over what we had been planning to do for our day. And so we need to ask ourselves the same question. Is the break life-giving and rejuvenating and restorative? Or does it cascade into (laughs) unproductivity and kind of mindless chasing around the internet? That way, we can figure out if we really need to do anything about it or if we let our kids take that break because instead of whispering to a peer next to them or getting up to sharpen their pencil, Mm. this is kind of what they have immediately available. (laughs) This is a great time to remind ourselves Now, why do I stay on YouTube so long? Because the algorithms are such that they're bringing up the very best video to show you next to keep you watching, to drive their ad revenue, and so forth. And this is where we have to be really clear about who is the object, who is doing the playing, who's being played, who's being sold, that kind of stuff. So last week, we actually talked about feeling time on the podcast. 
and how a lot of people with ADHD or executive functioning challenges processing processing struggle with how to feel time. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things that goes into the YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. We both do this in our practices and have kids judge time. And a lot of them are way off. Yes. And this is where that YouTube rabbit hole plays a huge part in feeling time and not realizing how long they're actually on something. What feels like five minutes to them could actually be an hour. Right. So I think having that kind of conversation and helping your student understand because it only felt like five minutes. Sure. But there's only so many hours in the day and that hour that needs to be productive because they're doing schoolwork or whatever it is that they're needing to be doing, it's a legitimate problem, so to speak, that the kid feels like, hey, I didn't get enough time because it really only felt like five minutes. You're right. We all do sense it differently. This is really where that mindful awareness of what we're doing and enjoying it and savoring it really looms large or is particularly important. Same kind of thing when kids are saying, wait, can I have dessert? Well, you just had dessert. Oh, yeah. I was watching my show while I was eating. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess I kind of did. How big was my cookie, though? I think he got a bigger cookie than I did. (laughs) You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. We just have to kind of switch our paradigm a little bit and go, I'm going to help you as we start and as we're in the middle of it. And then as we finish to track just how much it's been or just what the content was. And then its impact on you and, you know, mom and I or dad and I do the same thing for ourselves. There are some movies that we're just not going to settle into bed and watch right before falling asleep. Yeah, true. And then there are some that are easy to turn off and get some sleep afterward. And so we want to just help our kids foster those same habits and that same sort of self-awareness. Again, what we're talking about is stuff that has been around. It's just like particularly salient right now. (laughs) It's really in our face and we can do it. It's just hard. So this has been so helpful for our audience and we're so grateful that we were able to kind of quickly pull this podcast together to get this out rather fast for us. And thank you for making yourself available for that. But is there any sort of last parting words that you want to make sure and let us know about? I think that right now we need to exercise particular grace with ourselves and with our kids and with our partners and express particular gratitude and appreciation for our first responders, our teachers, our loved ones. Because then when we've refocused on, not to sound cliche, but what really matters, because we were talking earlier about when we come out of this, how will our priorities be different? Yeah. Because they will be. And I think we've got an opportunity to make sure that they are reprioritized in such a way that relationships with self and other are paramount and that our spiritual well-being and our mental health is cultivated and promoted and intact because it's from that place of health that then we can make these judgment calls in each of our own homes about specific difficulties that we might be facing with greater awareness of what's going on and greater awareness of where we want it to be instead. And we keep our goals straight and our thinking clearer when that sort of healthy flow is at play. So with that in mind, I think the slightly more specific principles, but staying somewhat broad here within the home would be watch the time, watch the content, help your kids track both, 
help them see kind of the before and after so that you can collectively and as individuals make decisions about what makes sense screen-wise or any activity-wise, really. So playing a board game or a card game probably doesn't mean cards against humanity or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the same sort of negative energy I don't want to cultivate in my home. It's the same sort of sarcastic and cutting thinking that I don't want for myself or my own family. Mm. And that's not a screen time issue. So now we just apply those same broad considerations when it comes to what's being fed to us online and, you know, electronically. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Happy to do it. Really wonderful to see you and just to be on this mission together to help us all. Yes, for sure. Thank Thank you. you. If our audience wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to connect? You're welcome to call my (laughs) office or send me an email. And if you want to just learn more about the book or the practice, that's all online. So synergypsych.com is our practice. Don'tgetplayed.com is the book and contact info is on the websites and we're around and it's pretty easy to connect right now by phone and video because that's our primary mode. And if you have a question or something, we're available to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.